Our scripture reading today is uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 9. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing on your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there. From there, do not depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that, that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now heard the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others and by other ones that the prophet had of old had arisen. Herod said, John I had beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Hey, everybody. You okay? Um, yeah, we don't do hype, right? Ali, you've taken my, where are you? Wherever you are. Good job. My co-non-hype man. <laughs> uh, we, let, we let the Lord do the hyping. So, um, hope you have your Bibles open to uh, Luke chapter 9. Um, and just since we've been back in the series of Luke, um, just even over the past few weeks as we've made our way through kind of the second half of chapter 8. We've witnessed some incredible things about Jesus, haven't we? Um, the, I think the overarching theme of, of chapter 8 was, was that we would see the power and the authority of Jesus. Um, he's, he's shown, uh, Luke's made an amazing case for that, hasn't he? He's, he's shown us that Jesus has the power and the authority over the natural world. He calms storms by speaking um, he's shown he has power and authority over the spiritual world by casting out demons. He has power and authority over the physical world by healing sickness and even raising uh, a little girl from the dead. Um, Luke, uh, in those 34 verses, has carefully showed us that, that Jesus has all power and authority over everything. Um, but he's different than uh, some worldly greedy rulers and kings, isn't he? Because he, he does not come to hoard his power, he comes to release it. And he, he doesn't come seeking to accumulate more and more power, he, he already has all power and authority. He doesn't come to scoop it up, he comes to release it. Um, and, and so the thesis of last week's sermon was faith-filled contact with Jesus leads to an exchange of power. Right, faith-filled contact with Jesus leads to a releasing of his, of his power. And that was true for both Jairus and the hemorrhaging woman. And both were desperate for Jesus' help. And both were absolutely convinced that, that Jesus was the only one who could help them if they could just get near to him. And so their, their faith-filled contact with Jesus, it led to an exchange of power and the woman was healed immediately. 
and, and, and Jairus' daughter was raised immediately. And, and these, these, these individual uh, moments of Jesus' healing that we're seeing, the, the, the bleeding woman and the, the dead little girl and, and even the, the demoniac uh, across the Galilee Sea, th- these are meant to be little snapshots, if you will, uh, of what Jesus has come to do on earth. Um, he has come to seek and to save the lost, and we see him doing that. But these, these miraculous showings of his power and his authority in these individual instances, that healing the sicknesses and casting out demons and, and raising people from the dead, uh, even, even calming his disciples' fears by calming the storm, in one sense, they are just microcosms of what Jesus has come to do in the macro, which is the, the expansion of the kingdom of God. Um, does he care about the individual instances? Absolutely. Like he cares about their, their, their intimate physical conditions. Um, he cares about the woman's 12 years of sickness. It broke his heart. He cares about uh, Jairus and his sick little girl. He cares about their, their temporal condition, yet at the very same time, he's here for a greater kind of healing. He cares about the temporal, but he's ultimately concerned about these people's eternal condition, their, their spiritual condition. He's, he's here to seek and save the lost. He's here to announce the arrival of the kingdom of God and those who can be included in it. And if you remember back to chapter 4, if you have your Bible, actually flip back to chapter 4 uh, of Luke's gospel. Uh, chapter 4 is essentially day one of Jesus' uh, ministry. It's, the, it's the, the kickoff of his ministry. And you see it, at the end of chapter 4, Jesus is at Simon's house, and he is healing people. And there's many people queued up outside. They're coming to Jesus uh, long into the night after the sunset, and he is healing them. It says that he lays his hands on every single one who, who came, and he healed them. He cares about their temporal conditions. But then he says in verse 43, after they beg him to stay, he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, he says, for I was sent for this purpose. Um, you see him say that again in chapter 8, verse 1. Uh, we're, we're told where he, he goes through the cities and the villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus was sent for. And this is the purpose that his father had sent him, to bring the kingdom of God to earth, to announce its arrival. It's here. It's, it's breaking in. Jesus is, is the king of this heavenly kingdom now on earth, right? And where the king is, the kingdom is. And so these, these little instances, the healing, the sickness, the casting out the demons, the, 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 the resurrections, they, they are the, the kingdom breaking in. It's incredible. The, the kingdom of God is, is arriving and it's breaking in. Faith-filled contact with Jesus leads to an exchange of power, which brings about their reversal of their conditions. The kingdom of God is breaking in. And so you, what we, we've been seeing these, these individual snapshots of the kingdom of God breaking in and expanding on earth. But what we have in chapter 9 is there's a shift, right? There, there, there's a shift, and no longer is Jesus the, the sole proclaimer and advancer of this kingdom. He now sends 12 more people to join him on his mission. And up until now, Jesus is the only one doing the work of the breaking in of the kingdom of God. 
Uh, there's John the Baptist, right? John, John was, was, was preaching, but he was preparing the way for Jesus to come. Uh, John's purpose was to get people ready for the arrival of King Jesus, who would then bring the kingdom. J- John was essentially rolling out the red carpet for, for the king to arrival, uh, the king's arrival. And, but then pretty quickly, he disappears from the scene. John's like, I must decrease so that Jesus can increase, and you see him do that. He, he, he kind of disappears, and then all focus is put on King Jesus as he brings this kingdom. And then for eight chapters, we see Jesus doing all the work. He's, he's going from town to town. He's preaching. He's proclaiming the kingdom. He's healing. He's releasing his power. He's showing his authority. But then here in chapter 9, Jesus gets more people involved, and he sends the 12 to proclaim and to heal as well. And you've probably heard me say it before, but there are parts of the Bible that are more prescriptive, and there are parts of the, more that are the, of the Bible that are more descriptive, right? The, 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 the prescriptive parts, they prescribe how it should be done. They say, this is how it should be done, do it this way. Um, and then there are descriptive parts that describe how it was done in this case. Um, learn from this and, and apply it. And, and this text is a little bit more descriptive for us. There's lots to learn, there's lots to apply, but there's, there's a danger in thinking this is exactly how we should do it. This is exactly how it should be done for us. Right, so, so Jesus, the way that Jesus gives them power and authority over to cure diseases and, and sometimes even raise people from the dead and, and, and cast out demons, there's, there's something there for us to, to learn and apply um, there's a danger in thinking this is exactly how it should be done for us. Don't hear me say that this kind of power is unavailable to us. I don't, we don't believe that. But that there's a danger in, in just saying, kind of copy and paste this into our specific moment. Uh, because there's something unique about this mission. There's, there, there's something unique about what's happening here. Um, and, and here's why. is because remember Jesus, he has more followers, more disciples than just the 12, even at this point. And we learned that back in chapter 6, verses 12 to 16, that says, uh, in these days, Jesus went to the mountain to pray, and all night he continues to pray to, in prayer. And when day came, it says, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named as apostles. So he, he chooses out of a larger group, these 12 who will be special, these 12 who will be called apostles. And here in chapter 9, what, what he does is he calls only the 12 for this mission, he doesn't call every disciple yet to send them out for this mission. What we have here is, is a special apostolic introduction of the kingdom of heaven. And another reason why this seems to be a unique situation is because they, they seem to be given a temporary power and authority. Uh, because eventually, after Jesus dies and he raises and he ascends to heaven, we, we see that even these 12 will have to wait for a power to come. They, 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 Jesus tells them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to wait for the Holy Spirit, and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's, there, there's a power to wait on before they can fulfill their, their mission that Jesus gives them. So, so here Jesus gives them a power and authority, but after this, they'll have to wait um, for power to come in order to go and be his witnesses. Um, Another reason why it seems to be unique is because he, he tells them not to take anything on this journey, 
Uh, but that doesn't seem to be the case in, in the book of Acts and other sendings and even for us today. So there's, there's something unique about this specific sending of the 12, um, and therefore it's a little bit more descriptive than prescriptive for us, but that, that, that doesn't mean that we just skip over, skip over this, okay? This doesn't mean, well, uh, this is just for the apostles, let's get to the parts that are about us. No, there's, there, there, this is still describing how God works. This is describing how Jesus sends and so there's a lot to see and apply to our situation today as we continue to join God in the renewal of all things and the, the, the advancing of his kingdom here on earth. Um, and so as we make our way through these verses, the main question we're going to ask is, what does the text tell us about Jesus, right? That's, that's our main goal always. Who is Jesus? What does this show us about him? And, and then secondarily, we'll, we'll try to answer, well, what's it telling us about our lives today as we live out as followers of Jesus uh, on mission today. It's a few verses. We're going to go through a few verses. Um, let's keep it simple. You guys up for keeping it simple this morning? Good. If you don't, I've, this is the only sermon I've written, so we're going to get this one, and it's very simple. So, um, Let me pray one more time. Uh, Jesus, we, uh, we love you, and we thank you that you come uh, and you find us, and you call us, and you, you give us a purpose. Um, and so even here this morning, Lord, we gather as, as your followers, and we're, we're here to, to listen to you speak and to receive what you have for us. And would you build your people up today, Lord? Um, would, you, would we leave here today um, with more, more power, um, more encouragement, um, as we follow you, as we, as we try to uh, be part of the advancement of your kingdom on earth. And teach us, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Um, the first thing that we see uh, in this passage is he calls those whom he wants to send. He calls those whom he wants to send. Jesus calls us. Um, I mentioned this last week in John 15, verse 16. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You did not choose me, I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Uh, so, so there's, even in that, that, that short saying of Jesus, you see the sending, appointed that you should go. You, you see the, the, the power, ask anything in my name and the Father will give it to you. But, but he begins with Jesus choosing you. I chose you. He calls those whom he wants to send. You see this all through the Bible, all through the New Testament. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, 17, the Apostle Paul says, Only let each person live the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God called him. Paul says, this is my rule in all churches. Um, so that's, descript- that's prescriptive. Paul's saying, this is, this is for you, even us today, village. That, that, we would, that we would live the life that God has assigned to us, that he has called us to. He calls us. And my favorite instance is, is what Paul writes to his apprentice, Timothy, in, in 2 Timothy. And he tells him in chapter 1, verse 8, he says, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Who's this God that's powerful? Well, he says in verse 9, he's the one who saved us 
and called us to a holy calling. Not because he didn't, he didn't save you and call you because of, um, because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he, gave, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now have been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's a whole sermon on its own. It's an amazing passage, but do you see it's not always going to be easy? There's suffering involved as we, as we share the gospel, as we proclaim the kingdom, but, but in the suffering we'll have his power. And remember that this, that this God, he says, he's the one who saved us and called us to this holy calling. He's called you. Jesus calls those whom he sends. That's special, man, isn't it? You are special, not because of anything that you bring to the table, but because of God's grace, because of his purpose, he's, he's called you. That's special. That's, that's purposeful. And for all the Christians in the room here today, he's called you for this purpose. No longer is it this 12-man job. It's for all of us who have been called into his kingdom. Um, secondly, and, and thankfully, when the Lord calls, he equips Jesus doesn't call and say, go, good luck. No, he, he, he gives us what we need. And you see that in verse 1. He, he called the 12 together, and he gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He equips those he calls and he sends, right? There, there's, there's an exchange of power. The, the apostles had no power of their own. They only go with what Christ gives them. Do you think these guys felt ready? And they've been with Jesus for about a year at this point. They're a group of fishermen and accountants <laughs> that are given Jesus this, by Jesus this, this mission. He's sending them out to, to preach and to heal and to cast out demons. They, they've seen Jesus do it. And, but I would imagine, at least I would think, do, do we need a little bit more time? Do we need a little bit more training, Jesus? Maybe we should go to seminary. Maybe we need more than a year of learning here. I don't think there's any way they felt ready. But in one sense, it doesn't matter if they feel ready. The only thing that matters is Jesus has called them. And all through the Bible, God calls people who don't feel ready. He calls people who are weak, who, who are foolish, who are looked down upon, who are the most unlikely people. He, he does not call the strong, obvious heroes. He calls those who are most likely to look around and say, me? Are you, are you sure you've got the right person Look at what Moses says when God chooses him in Exodus 4. Uh, but Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Moses, who has made ma man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I? The Lord, the one who's speaking to you right now, 
Therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Moses says, I'm not the guy. I am not ready. I am not capable. But God says it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you are capable of. What matters is what I'm capable of. Right? When the Lord calls, He equips. Ours is the great benediction from the end of Hebrews that says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus by the great, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's the one who equips you. He's the one who is working in you. He is the one who is working to, to, to do that which is pleasing in his sight. It's through Jesus. Jesus calls them to himself, and then he gives them power. They are powerless. They, they need an exchange of power. And do you notice how they get the power? By going to Jesus. By, by, by going to him, and it's the exact same for us today, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Faith-filled contact with Jesus leads to an exchange of power. He calls you and he equips you. He gives you the power that you need. And thirdly, um, those whom he calls and sends and equips um, Jesus then demands total dependence on him. In verse 3, he said, he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money. Don't even bring two coats. Um, okay, this is descriptive, right? He's not calling us to be uh, possessionless. He's not calling us to be homeless. What he's doing is he is demanding total dependence on him. He tells them to take nothing. Why does he tell them that? Because he has just given them everything that they will need. He's just given them all the power. They already have what they need to carry out the mission. You don't need anything else. And as the disciples go, they will be continually aware of their need and their dependence, right? Their mission will require them to act in faith in Jesus Right? He's after faith. He's after your faith. He's asking, will you trust me? In this specific scenario, this required them bringing nothing on their trip. He's asking them, where is your faith? And either in this very moment or at some point in the days that follow, when, when they're out there and they're wondering, where are we going to sleep tonight? I wonder where the next meal will be. Um, I guarantee you their minds at some point would have gone back to that scene on the boat, right? When Jesus, he, he calms their fears and he, by, by calming the waves and then he turns to them and he says, guys, where's your faith? And here, not long after these, uh, got Jesus displaying his, his power and his authority over all things right in front of them, these, these healings, the, the miracles, he's, he's shown them that he has power and authority over all things, and now he's asking them, will you trust me? He's asking you and me today the same thing, will you trust me? 
Friend, where is your faith today? What are you trusting in? Is it your social status? Is, it, is, your, is, your, is your faith, is your sense of security and dependence in your job? Is it in that relationship? Jesus is, Jesus is asking you, are you willing to give those things up and depend on me alone? I'm offering you everything you need to lead this life that I've assigned to you, to that which God has called you. Will you receive my power and rely on me alone? In Jesus, we have everything that we need. And Second Peter verse 1 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, in, with His power, we have everything that we need to lead this life of godliness, this calling that He's called us to. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises. He's, he's given you this promise so that through them, listen to this, you might become partakers of His divine nature. You share in what He has. He's called you to this holy calling. By His power, He equips you to fully do it. Will you depend on Him alone? That's what Jesus demands. Are there, are there things in your life that you are clinging to for security? for comfort, for your happiness? Are there things that are taking the place of dependence on Jesus? What do you need to let go of? He demands total dependence on Him. Uh, fourthly, He asks those whom He calls and sends and equips to be content, not to be comfortable. To be content, not comfortable. Verse 4, He says, In whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there, depart. And so the apostles are going to be going from town to town. Um, they're going to be interacting with many people along the way as they proclaim the kingdom of God and as they, they heal. And, and Jesus tells them, once you get into a town, be gracious guests. Uh, stay in one house if possible, rather than looking for upgrades in your accommodation. Um, hey, those guys have a hot tub. Maybe we should stay over there. Wi-Fi is pretty good over there. Maybe we should, maybe we should move over there. He's, he's saying, no, be, be content, be gracious, stay in the one place, realize that this isn't about your comfort. It's about what I've sent you for. This isn't about your, your preferences. You are here for these people. You are here to serve them. You are here to, to share with them the good news of the gospel. Be content, not comfortable, and there's, there's another aspect of, of trusting God and, and depending on God alone. And the, these 12 are being, they're being sent, to, sent by Jesus specifically to Jewish people. And, and, and in ancient Israel, hospitality, it, it wasn't uh, merely a question of having good manners like it tends to be for us. And th this hospitality was a moral institution which grew out of their nomadic history and experience. And biblical law specifically sanctified hospitality towards the stranger 
who was to be made particularly welcome because of what Leviticus 19 and what Exodus 12 reminded these people, that, that you were once a stranger in a strange land, that their experience as strangers wandering in the land um, informed how they were to live now. And, and now here Jesus is saying, depend on that. De- depend on the Mosaic law. Depend on what I have done for these people in the past. Right? That, that if a stranger is in your gates, you are to give him shelter and food and hospitality. He's saying, trust me as you go into these towns. There's more reliance on God. But when a, when a, when a home welcomes you in, stay there and be content and, and then leave. But what happens when they don't welcome you in? Uh, Well, he tells them in verse 5, he says, And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Um, He's telling them that, that some people will not receive you. Some people won't be happy to receive this good news. Don't let that stop you from continuing on in the mission. Some will welcome you, some will reject you. Be ready for that and keep going. Don't don't let it crush you. You already have the approval of the only one that matters, me. He's saying, I've chosen you, I've called you, you have my approval, that is all that matters. Now go and preach the gospel and, and heal Some will receive you, some will not. He's saying, not everyone will accept you, that's okay. And what does he mean specifically with that phrase, when they don't receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them? I'm sure you've heard that phrase before, shake off the dust of your feet. Uh, That wasn't just an idiom that Jesus kind of invented on the spot. It, It was actually an idea that was common that his disciples were familiar with. And Jesus take, picks that up and he uses it to make a point. And, and, and that phrase, it came from this. Remember back to Exodus chapter 4, after Moses had been, uh, he's returning from the Midianite wilderness, and, and God speaks to him out of the burning bush, and he tells Moses, do not come near here, take your sandals off, for the ground on which you're standing is holy ground. Right, where there's this introduction of this idea that there's a, a, a holy place And even today, um, what do people often call the land of Israel? The Holy Land, right? Um, And that came from this. This this was a land that was promised to Abraham and his descendants by God. And and that land was considered holy and sacred. And and when in Old Testament Hebrew, uh, when they began inhabiting, inhabiting the Holy Land, everything outside of their borders was considered unholy, pagan, unclean. And so when a, when, a, when a Jew would go on a long journey that maybe took them outside of their borders from the Holy Land to the unholy places, whenever they were entering back into Israel, they would stop and they would shake the dust off their feet. They, they, they would shake off that, that, un, that, that contaminated, that, that, that unclean ground, lest they bring it back into the holy place, Right? And that idea would have been familiar with the disciples here. So if you're paying attention, what was radical about what Jesus was saying here, he's sending them to Jewish places. He's not sending them to across the borders. He's not sending them to pagan, unclean places. He's preaching to Jews. 
And so what Jesus is saying is, hey, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. The only thing that matters is if you accept my gospel and accept me as king. That was radical. He's saying it's, it doesn't matter your nationality. It's not a thing anymore. It doesn't matter if, you, if you're a Jew or a Gentile. What matters is if you accept my gospel and, and me as your king. This is a radically new message that he brings. But there's a warning there for those who don't receive Jesus. God is patient. You see that all through Scripture, especially through the Old Testament. He is, he is slow to anger. He is long-suffering. But the Bible teaches that, that his patience will not last forever. Some people postpone their repentance and say, I'll be committed to God tomorrow. I'll change my ways tomorrow. Tomorrow I will give my life to Christ, but not today. The, the young Augustine's prayer was, give me chastity and continence, but not yet. Um, he, he was taking advantage of God's patience and his long suffering. But the Bible warns us that, that God's patience does not endure forever. There's a limit to it, and there will come a time in a person's life when it's too late. Hebrews 9.27 says, it is appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes judgment. The, the warning is, don't delay repentance. Jesus is offering you forgiveness of your sins. He's offering you eternal life and peace with him. He's offering power for those who respond to his calling. So respond to his calling. Trust him. Repent and believe. Do it today. The only thing that matters in your life is whether you have put your trust in Jesus. Do it today. He's also making this point for his disciples, though, you who are out there and you're, you're proclaiming the gospel and you're, you're caring for the needs of others, when you're rejected, and you will be, don't be crushed. You're, you're actually joining in the life of Christ who is rejected and despised. Keep trusting in Jesus. Keep, keep proclaiming the kingdom. Keep loving those who he has sent you to. Don't give up. The last thing we see in those first six verses, that sending out section, is, is obedience from those whom he calls. Verse six, and they departed, and they went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. And they might not have felt super ready at first, um, but after being called, after being empowered by the one who has all power and authority, they go. They, they, they preach the good news, and they, and they heal. They're called to this, this dual ministry of, 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 of word and deed. It's, it's not just sharing the gospel. It's not just helping those in need. The mission is both. For Jesus, it was both, wasn't it? He cares about the right now. He, he cares about your current situation. Why? Because the kingdom of God is not something that will come eventually. It's something that is breaking in right now. It's here. This is the arrival. And so Jesus and his apostles, they not only proclaimed the good news, they also made it tangible and real in people's lives by, by caring for their physical needs. In fact, evangelism, it requires engagement. It requires serving people as well as preaching to people, telling unbelievers that God cares. That, that should be reinforced, reinforced by 
evidences of such caring. The key to the disciples' activity, the key to their mission, was this combination of compassion and and message. And that is what should be displayed in our lives. As as you you are saints out there, you're the cutting edge of the kingdom. The gospel should be preached in both word and deed in your lives. How are you serving those around you? Are you you looking for ways to show them the love and the care of Jesus, as well as opportunities to share the message of the gospel? We're called to both. This is how we join God in the renewal of all things, the expansion of his kingdom. It's it's how we show people Jesus. Paul Paul calls us ambassadors of Christ. We, We represent him here on earth. We show the world who Jesus is. That's what we're called to. Show them and, and, and teach them who Jesus is. That, that's the mission we've been called to. That is, that is your primary, uh, uh, primary calling in your life, Christian. You believe that. You, you might be tempted to think that your, your primary calling is to be a business owner or to be a teacher or a pharmacist or, or, or a doctor or, or a parent. That is not your primary calling. Your primary calling is to go and and show and tell people who Jesus is. That's the calling, that's the mission that he is empowering you for. Show them and tell them who Jesus is. That's what we see in the last verse, obedience. Go with power. It's incredible. Quickly, quickly as we wrap up here, Luke then adds... Uh, this almost random little tangent about Herod at the end. I told Herod, he hears all that's happening with Jesus, and we're told he is perplexed. He's perplexed uh, because they're trying to identify Jesus. <laughs> Some people say he's John that's been raised from the dead. Uh, Some said that he's Elijah, Elijah reappeared. Some said he's one of the, the great old prophets back from the dead. And like basically they're, they're coming up with any solution they can except that Jesus is the son of God, the king of this kingdom on earth. And Herod says, I beheaded John, but who is this about whom I hear such things? It says, and he sought to see Jesus. Luke's presenting us again with the most important question anybody in the world has to answer. Who is Jesus? In in one very real sense, Herod is a picture of every lost person in your life. They are perplexed with Jesus. They they don't really know what to do with him. they've, They've probably heard about him But they're perplexed. Surely, this, surely there must be another answer for who he is. Surely this is too good to be true. And, and oftentimes, whether they admit it or not, they are seeking to see him. Who is he? And listen to me. The, the primary way those people are seeking to see who Jesus is 
is by looking at you. They're, they're, they're looking at you. They're looking at us. They're seeking who Jesus is. And, and Christian, in order to truly show them who Jesus is, you need his power. You need his nearness. You need to bear his fruit. You need each other. You, you need prayer always. Uh, but fret not, friends, because those whom he calls and sends, he empowers. He, he gives them that power. In Jesus, you have everything that you need to succeed. Depend on him wholly. Let him work through you. It'll take abiding in him. And faith-filled contact, it leads to an exchange of power. He doesn't send us out alone. Amen? He, he gives us his power by giving us his spirit. In a very real sense, we're in a better situation than these apostles at this time. It's, it's easy, isn't it, to, to read these stories and to see what they've done and to think that we have some kind of muted version of this power. That is not true. He sends them out with some of his power and his authority for a time. He sends us out with his spirit whom he promises will never leave us. He goes with us. This is the great commission in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, says Jesus. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, he says, look straight at me, I am with you always to the end of the age. He goes with us. And listen, where the king goes, so goes his power. Let's receive his power. Let's not go at it alone. Let's listen to him calling. Let's receive his power. Let's be content. Let's be ready to be rejected. It's the only thing that matters in this world is who Jesus is and what he's calling you for. Just stand with me and we'll pray.